Hello, this is Dr. Doug Wyatt, and this is the podcast series Considering Christianity as a Scientist. And this is podcast number 16, where we're going to consider for the next several podcasts the concept of why Christianity and why the need for a belief. And we're going to step back a little bit to our first podcast where we discussed from a scientific perspective how a scientific thinking person believes or can believe in the existence of God. And we're going to pick up there again and continue our discussion of why a creator God. Why is it necessary for us to believe in a creator God and and how we can believe that. As always, uh, just as a background, I am a PhD scientist, a geologist, geophysicist, published with patents, and a history of managing large science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. Many of my friends and acquaintances in science, technology, engineering, and many others I have chatted with on various occasions have discussed their thoughts on Christ and Christianity, a creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile belief with science. I understand, and I have struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to reconcile, particularly in our modern technological world. Yet I know that many of you feel, sense, hear, a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. These podcast series are to help you consider that this is your Creator God and our Creator God calling to you personally and how to accept this. Just as a reminder, this podcast series was created during the COVID global pandemic. And it's getting better in the United States and it's getting better in many other countries, but yet countries such as our friends in Brazil and India and other places are having a very difficult time. Conditions such as we now experience really only affect our bodies, our physical selves. That's enough affliction for sure, but our spirits, our souls, our hearts and minds cannot be touched by this virus. The topics we mentioned a few seconds ago have been questions asked of me by some of my listeners. These topics are tough to comprehend and analyze, very tough for a scientific thinker. We are stepping way, way out of our intellectual thought when we discuss these ideas, and we step into our conceptual thoughts. I believe we can arrive at concepts that are meaningful beyond just our observational abilities. As scientists, we want cause and effect. We want observed measurements, rational decisions, rational understanding and conclusions. We want the scientific method to work for everything. But I believe we can sense and feel things that are facts that are very difficult for us to observe. We have to feel them. We have to sense them. We have to understand them on levels beyond our physical levels. 
And this is what I'm hoping we try to do in this podcast. Okay, I'm going to ask this question. Why a God? How a God? What was the origin or cause? And can we even understand that? How can we understand it? What's our thought process to to understand it? Uh, I, I, I don't know exactly how we're going to pursue this, but I do want us to discuss it. And maybe we'll come up with a rational at least to us, a rational set of understandings that help us believe. Maybe that one thing, it may be different for each and every person, but that helps us believe that we have a Creator God and that we exist because of that Creator God. And maybe we can get past this point that we currently have uh, of hubris in much of our human thought processes now where we do believe as far as we know we are the supreme intellectual power in this universe well that is hubris and hubris is a very dangerous thing so let us discuss these things as we go as scientists and scientific thinkers we require a cause and effect even when we can't directly observe one or the other we can infer what that cause or effect might have been or might be. For many, that observational requirement falls apart when we discuss the concept of a Creator God. How can there be a God without an origin or a causative agent? In podcast one, we discussed this and the concept of being a created being and only able to realize the highest thought possible for us was God the concept of a God, the God, a Creator God. Remember the brief discussion we had using Anselm as a source of thought? That was a very intellectual and rational thought process many hundreds of years ago. Let's consider that definition of God again and take it possibly to another step. I want to use the work of R.C. Spruill in this discussion. If you have not heard of R.C. Spruill, S-P-R-O-U-L, or read any of his writings, it is well worth it for a scientific thinker. I will read from an article he wrote in 2020. Reading from the work of R.C. Spruill, People may argue that if every effect has a cause, then God must have a cause. They may therefore ask, what was there before God? But the eternal God is not an effect. There never was a time when he was not. God's being is derived from nothing outside of himself, nor is he dependent on anything outside of himself. Nothing differentiates God from the creature more dramatically than this. Because the creature, by definition, is dependent contingent and derived and lacks the power of being in and of himself. God requires nothing. He exists from all eternity. I believe what R.C. Sproul just said is a starting point. A starting point for truth and to understand the nature and concept of a creator God. I believe it meets the requirements of Anselm and the definition of that famous statement we also discussed in podcast one 
of God saying this himself. I am that I am. Or as I stated in podcast one, the way I interpret that and the way many others interpret that, I exist because I am existence. God is not part of created existence, but is the source of created existence. Sproul goes on to say this, Eternality goes in the other direction as well. There will never be a time in the future when God will cease to be. His being remains self-existent for all eternity. His eternality, perhaps more than anything else, sets God apart from us. There never was a time when God was not. He is from everlasting to everlasting. God's eternality is inseparable related to his self-existence, his aseity. And please correct my pronunciation if I'm saying that wrong. I've seen several, several ways it's pronounced. His aseity. Yet the word aseity is virtually absent from the average Christian's vocabulary. Aseity means to have existence or existence within oneself. This may be a very difficult concept for us scientists to understand in our thought processes in which we've all been trained. There is something, God, that exists without cause. He is. He exists. Everything proceeds and emanates from Him. It's hard to wrap your mind around. And because we are created, we may not have the ability to fully understand that yet. At least in our current form, Christians believe that we will become spirits and our spirits will return, souls will return to God and we will understand at that time. But the Bible is full of stories, Job, Ezra, Ezekiel, others questioning this concept of God and who God is and what God can do. Not that he exists, but what he can do. And, and God answers these questions or God's agents, angels, friends of others, answers the questions by saying, who can conceive of the mind of God. And that is the crux of our problem as scientific thinkers. Scientific American had an interesting article in their special edition number 16 from February of 2006 titled The Myth of the Beginning of Time by Gabriel Vinziano. You may recognize his name associated with the foundational origins of string theory. The magazine Space had an interesting article by Paul Sutter dated April 26, 2020 entitled, What Happened Before the Big Bang? Gabriel Veneziano's article is a very good read, and I encourage you to take a look at that. He states that 
the pre-Big Bang universe has become the latest frontier in cosmology. And in his introductory paragraphs, he talks about Aristotle, one of my favorites, taking the no beginning side, invoked, and that he invoked the principle that out of nothing, nothing comes, and that the universe could never have gone from nothingness to somethingness. However, Christian theologians took a little bit different approach to that, which is, which is an opposite view. Augustine contended that God exists outside of space and time. That existence that we know now and time were created at the same time. Time itself is part of God's creation. There simply was never a before time because time did not exist until it was created with the creation of the universe, with God's creation. Veneziano goes ahead forward and, and discusses a couple of other things, and, and we're not going to discuss this whole article because he talks about string theory, expansion theory, and, and other topics and, and their current status. But in the concept, current concept of a potentially expanding and contracting universe, a cyclical universe, in, in the 1960s, you know, Stephen Hawking and Roger Penrose uh, proved that time could not extend back indefinitely. There had to be a starting point. So an interesting concept of current cosmology is that there had to be a starting point for this universe, this creation that we now know, either from zero nothingness or from a previous universe that existed which implies that something has always existed. That in and of itself is a scientific conundrum and once again proves that we are limited in our concepts of what could be outside of what we can observe in our current existence. Sutter discusses the Big Bang from an expansion, contraction, and uh, conflagration, the ekpyrotic theory, and what actually happened before that and immediately as it was happening. And he, he goes on to say that as good as it is, we know that the Big Bang picture is not complete. There's a puzzle piece missing and that piece is the earliest moments of the universe itself. That's a pretty big piece according to Sutter. He talks about the bounce moment when our universe contracted to a singularity and then expanded possibly from the size of a peach to a singularity then expanded again. That was a new concept to me. To me that's a moment of creation and I'm I'm thinking through that myself but I believe that Paul Sutter's comments help us understand this concept of creation and time being part of creation that there is a God a being a creator outside of our creation outside of our existence where time has no meaning 
and I would like for us to discuss that a little bit further as we go forward. I want to back up a few moments to my concept about hubris, but I also want to stay out of the realm of superstition. Why is it we believe that there has to be a creative point of beginning that we have to understand? At our current level of understanding, we cannot define what time truly is, nor can we modify it. If it is the slope or the shape of space on the space-time curve, that's very interesting. Without space and without gravity, the time before the Big Bang, there was no time. Then how do we wrap our minds around a Creator God that exists outside of our perception? He exists outside of time. He exists outside of space. How do we wrap our heads around that to help us believe? In our podcast one, we gave several examples of God telling us how he existed and, and how to believe in him. Christianity and monotheism is based on a, on a revealed religion. God talked directly to us on our level. God spoke to people we now know many thousands of years ago based on our accumulated history. We have no reason to doubt that history or no reason not to understand that. And revealed himself. All kinds of wild stories and other types of creative thoughts and assumptions would be made about how we're here, why we're here, who did what. Consider the Greek pantheon of gods, for example, or the Roman pantheon of, pantheon of gods, or the uh, Sumerian pantheon of gods. They were all assumptions based on observation. Our Christian creator God is a revealed God, directly telling us that he was the creator. He gave proof of his abilities to manipulate creation. The results of those proofs led to ver various historic acts that are recorded not just in the Bible, but in the archives of other civilizations that existed at the time. So I believe humans did not know of the Creator God before the Creator God revealed himself to humans. Because we are created beings, we rely on a Creator, on external forces for our existence. He had to tell us of himself whether people lived a hundred thousand years ago or tomorrow they have the same problem trying to conceive of the nature and the existence and the place and the time of of a creator God that is outside of this creation that is outside of our existence that is outside of everything that makes us up as the creatures that we are 
no matter how good or thoughtful we might be. And this was explained in Christianity through simple statements that God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and truth. So Christianity acknowledges our creator God that is outside of our existence and so much more than we can even conceive of in our physical, electrically, chemically induced minds without utilizing a spiritual source, a source different that came from God, not part of creation, but part of God himself, our spirit. So what is the nature of God that we might perceive him? If, if you've read the book of Enoch, and arguably not many have, it's long and it's difficult reading, but there is a description of the presence and throne of God written there. It's very interesting to read that. It's very powerful and it's very fearful. So you might want to take a look at that. It helps me to see that vision. I have this mental concept and arguably it is it is my mental concept of creation and the universe and it's different than anything I have historically read I believe that there is this God it's from our perception an incredible source of power not necessarily just energy but power that we do not have the ability to comprehend proceeding from that source of God it's often referred to in the Bible as the throne of God but proceeding from that source huge beam of energy I mean physical energy energy that you can touch of whatever form we perceive it as energy because I'm using terms as a human that I can describe from that beam of energy extends basically into infinity from our perspective you can't you can see the beginning but you cannot see the end at various points along that beam and at various distances from the throne of God there are takeouts portions of that energy break off and curve as a smaller beam until they get to a point where they expand 
and they form this bubble of time and energy that we call our universe. In my vision, this happens at many different locations off of this main beam of power that you see from God's throne, God's presence. There are several universes. We happen to be in one, but there are several others. I, I, I see this in my mind and uh, it helps me to understand each one of these universes from a time perspective that point where the smaller beams begin to expand is what we would call our Big Bang. That's where time begins. But these expansions, these bubbles, are expanding and they're expanding back towards God. I believe there are created universes ahead of us in this process and behind us in this process I have just I just have this internal view and vision of how this works in a way it sort of looks like a candlestick a menorah uh, for lack of a better word and uh, no Jewish implications really meant to be made and that the candles themselves all feed from the fuel of the main source and the flames, the expanded universes all are growing and reaching towards the source of that creation, that source of that beam, the source of that energy source, back to God. I, I don't know how to better or further explain that but I have this internal vision and it helps me believe that we are part of something bigger than just ourselves. Between these expanded universes, unless you're within a universe, there is no time. Outside of those universes, time is non-existent. So this process is something that gives me a little bit of understanding as to how God might work with us to help us understand. The final thing I want to discuss is this question and statement that's been made by two or three different people, friends of mine, scientists. Why do I need a creator God to be a good Christian, to practice the Christian belief, to believe as Christians are taught to believe? That's a very good question. As Christians, we believe in the creator God because we believe, because it was revealed to us to believe, that we were created with a purpose. If we were created with a purpose, then we have a process to accomplish that purpose. That process was a relationship 
with the Creator who created us and his instructions for how we should relate to his other creations especially his other created people in a nutshell the entire history of the Bible and of religion Western Judeo-Christian religion is based on the fact that we could not follow that purpose the way it was given to us some people call it original sin some people call it other things but we could not follow because we had the free will as part of our creation to decide that that free will comes from the spirit that we were given I recently watched a video on YouTube by Sabine Hassenfelder. You may have seen some of her other videos where she states that humans do not have free will. Everything is deterministic and was determined at the date of the Big Bang. That's just sad because if we do not have free will and everything was predetermined at a physics-based Big Bang then what purpose do we have? What are the consequences of our actions? Why do we even exist? So I don't believe that. I believe there's a step beyond the Big Bang. I believe there is a creation by a Creator God who exists outside of our physics he exists outside of our mentality except he revealed himself to us gave us a set of directions because he stated that we meant something to him and he wanted us to follow a course he's been very tolerant of us for a long time and he gave us various episodes in history where he tried to do course corrections with how humans interacted with each other and finally required an extreme measure that extreme measure is from our perspective not his and so as scientific thinkers we need to accept two or three key points that God exists outside of our physics. He exists beyond the Big Bang. That he has always existed. He has a theity. He does not have other conditions necessary for him to exist. That we do. That we are a product of creation. But we are a special product. Maybe not the only special product, but we are a special product. And he revealed himself to us and gave us the ability to comprehend his presence, even if, his, even if not his, how he exists. And gave us rules and laws, and very simple rules and laws, things that we accept today as being the right way to do things we didn't do that 
we have this ability to choose not to believe, choose not to do, to choose things that we call, not do things that we call love. And I believe that part of our process, as mentioned in our podcast one, is to continue his creation, very small scales, but to continue his creation through what's called love, what's and and how we relate to doing the things that continue his process of good creation and I do believe evil is the concept of doing things that destroy or damage his creation I believe as scientists we can with a scientific thought process we can accept that God is a creator God has always existed time to him means nothing physics to him means nothing everything that we use to observe and quantify and hypothesize and theorize about means nothing to him but he gave us those abilities to understand his creation so that we can continue it as he desired Christians need God Christians accept God because it was revealed to us that he had a plan for us and a a desire for us and that we were selected to pursue his desires on earth we are Christians and call ourselves that because we follow his son and we use son as a human concept in the form of something we could understand and taught very simple but think very simple things for us to do but so hard for us to actually do because they run so counter to our normal traits and that God is the source of all I think about the statement made by Judia Pearl and Dana McKenzie in their book, The Book of Why, in their introduction section, and and their statement is this, you cannot answer a question that you cannot ask, and you cannot ask a question that you have no words for. It's extending the meaning of that just a little bit and thinking about the YouTube video we mentioned earlier by Sabine Hassenfelder that you don't really have free will. That implies in relationship to believing in a creator God that at the beginning of the Big Bang where everything became deterministic, no free will, there had to be a concept of a God or else we would not be discussing it or talking about it today or able to ask the questions because we would not have the language to be able to ask those questions. That's very interesting. Jesus, in one of the greatest philosophical statements I think of all time, he gave us insight into the nature of creation, was asked the question about if there was any sin that was unforgivable. His response was denial of the Holy Spirit. If you deny the Holy Spirit, 
that sin is unforgivable. Well, that goes back to the two statements I just mentioned. At least I believe that it does. In that the Holy Ghost is God's action and will. The Creator God's action and will outside of our creation. Throughout his action and will throughout that creation. If you deny that that happens, there is no absolute source of forgiveness. There is no absolute against which we can be judged. God is the absolute outside of our creation, outside of our conception, except for our belief in him through this spiritual connection that we have. He revealed that to us told us about himself, told us about who and what, but not how and why. We have to find that out later. I hope this helps a little bit in our understanding of our Creator God. In our podcast 17, we'll discuss a little bit about the relationship between the Creator God and this concept called sacrifice and repentance.